We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go, episode 351 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, July 7th, 2022, the day after a big contract day in Washington, D.C. sports. We on Wednesday morning had the Commander's Terry McLaurin contract extension press conference. We on Wednesday afternoon had the Wizards officially announcing the re-signing of Bradley Beal to a five-year contract, as well as officially announcing multiple other moves as the NBA's moratorium period came to an end. And we now know more about this uh, Supermax contract to which the Wizards have re-signed Bradley Beal. If you are unaware, uh, wait until you hear what we now know about the Bradley Beal Supermax contract. If you, for whatever reason, did not think that our Wizards were doing all that they could to cater to Beal, you will finally see the light after I tell you what we now know. But hello and welcome to a Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast, the only Washington, D.C. sports podcast that is with you every weekday, Monday through Friday, with each episode out by the 5 a.m. hour and often much earlier. Next segment, my commentary on my reactions to the commander's Terry McLaurin contract extension press conference on Wednesday morning. You will hear every key thing that Terry said. He was, of course, very good, as he always is. It's impossible not to like the guy. And he addressed a number of items. Uh, Why he wanted to stay with the commanders, what Ron Rivera is building with the commanders, having Carson Wentz as the team's starting quarterback, uh, the money, oh, the money in this (laughs) contract extension, and much more. We will talk Terry, Terry talk, coming up shortly. Uh, We then will talk Wizards off them on Wednesday afternoon, officially announcing the trade for Monte Morris and Will Barton, officially announcing the signing of DeLon Wright, and officially announcing the re-signing of Bradley Beal. And like I said, we now have new details on this five-year Supermax contract for Beal. Uh, These are details that every Wizards fan should be aware of. Also on the show, I will talk Nationals. Hey, the Nats on Wednesday night actually won a game. Yeah, can you believe that? Uh, A 3-2 win 
at the Philadelphia Phillies to snap a six-game losing streak. Outstanding pitching for the Nats on Wednesday night. Josiah Gray, really good. The Nats' bullpen, really good, as Tanner Rainey rebounded off two consecutive bad outings. Speaking of closers rebounding, the Orioles' Jorge Lopez rebounded on Wednesday night off three consecutive bad outings for him as the O's completed their first series sweep of the season. A 2-1 win over the Texas Rangers at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Spencer Watkins pitched quite well. You know, the parallels between the Nats and the O's always amaze me. I mean, we on Wednesday night had each team winning a low-scoring one-run game with a young starting pitcher doing well, and then a closer rebounding off a bad July 4th weekend. Uh, By the way, had you like this trade in the NFL on Wednesday, the Cleveland Browns agreeing to trade quarterback Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers for a conditional pick in the 2024 NFL draft, what will be either a fourth or fifth round pick. What a bargain buy by the Panthers. I mean, look, who knows what to expect from Baker Mayfield. He has not had a great NFL career so far, and he is coming off surgery in January to repair a torn labrum in his left shoulder, his uh, non-throwing shoulder. But Baker Mayfield is talented. He did play well in the 2020 season. He definitely has a chip on his shoulder, no pun intended, with how things have ended with the Browns. And the Panthers are giving up so little to get him a 2024 conditional draft pick that'll either be a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick. I mean, I love this move from a Panthers perspective. And if you're wondering, and I know that some of you are, well, uh, should the commanders have made this trade? Well, uh, that issue is not so simple. You know, we did not know until the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson in March that Baker Mayfield might be available. And the commanders were never going to wait until July to make their move for a quarterback this offseason. So they would have traded for Baker Mayfield in March or April and thus almost certainly would not have gotten Baker at this dirt cheap price at which the Panthers are getting Baker. Now, could the commanders in March have acquired Baker for less than what the commanders traded to the Indianapolis Colts for Carson Wentz, uh, maybe, slash probably. But just looking at each guy, you tell me, who would you rather have? Because from purely a football standpoint, from purely an on-the-field standpoint, the answer is Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has played well in four of his last five NFL seasons. Baker Mayfield has only been good in, at most, two of his four NFL seasons. Now, off the field may be a different story, right? We know about the red flags with Carson Wentz. Baker Mayfield, on the other hand, does seem like a guy's guy and a legit leader. But the hope is that our guy Carson, our new pal, Commander Carson, uh, has learned some lessons. And again, if you're just talking on the field, Carson Wentz has been a much better quarterback than Baker Mayfield has been. Carson Wentz has finished in the top 12 among qualified NFL quarterbacks in ESPN's total QBR in four of the last five NFL regular seasons. Baker Mayfield has finished top 12 among qualified quarterbacks in total QBR just once over his four 
NFL regular seasons. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Rich on Dan Snyder. Subject, Danny Boy. Writes Rich, what are your thoughts on a board game called Danny Boy? I'm thinking of a Monopoly type of concept with different teams instead of properties. The cards to draw are the fun part. Subpoenaed by Congress, go directly to France, lose four turns. Former female staff member accuses you of inappropriate behavior, go back two spaces. Hire a retired coach turned bingo caller, consider quitting. Side with player over coach, lose three turns. Sue season ticket holders, go back to start. New television contract, collect a million dollars. Residual sales can be achieved by offering new card sets with updated Danny Boy scandals. Uh, Rich, excellent email, my friend. Very creative. Well done. Speaking of Danny Boy, email from Steve Ehrman on something that I talked about on Tuesday's show, episode 349. The Washington Post this past Saturday morning coming out with an article about some of the reveals from the many documents that Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform released on the morning of June 22nd, which was the day on which we had that congressional hearing on the commander's workplace misconduct scandal. Right, Steve, I didn't quite agree with you regarding your criticism of the Washington Post about its article on Saturday, July 2nd, as harassing (laughs) dear Mr. Snyder by regurgitating his various indiscretions. I am an avid reader of the Post and listener to various podcasts. The only way I heard about the details in the committee report was on your show. In fact, my nephew, who is a huge sports fan, was not aware of the incidents, learner's milk, etc., until he read the article on Saturday. So I'm glad that the Post published the article. Lots of folks are on vacation and don't follow all of this crapola. So the more written, the better in my opinion. Sally Jenkins, on the other hand, is harsh, but I do enjoy reading her criticize Mr. Snyder. Keep up the good work. I rarely miss one of your shows. Uh, Thank you for the email, Steve. I get where you're coming from. Uh, And you make a very good point in that not everyone is locked in on every little detail in something like this workplace misconduct scandal. I hear you on that. Now, I never said that the Washington Post was harassing Dear Mr. Snyder, although I'm sure that he appreciates being called Mr. Snyder, we know that he does not like to be called Dan. He much prefers to be called Mr. Snyder. Uh, My point was this. There was nothing new in that Washington Post article that came out this past Saturday morning other than a statement from a spokesperson for Dan Snyder slamming the Washington Post. The article was a regurgitating of things that had come out 10 days earlier. Saturday was July 2nd. These materials from Congress came out on June 22nd. I didn't get what the point of the article was. That article could have been written at any time after June 22nd. Like, had the article come out on the previous Saturday, June 25th, okay, that would have been totally normal. But the article not coming out until July 2nd, the Saturday of July 4th weekend felt like the Washington Post needed some content for a slow sports weekend, knows that these Dan Snyder workplace misconduct scandal articles generate clicks and thus put out this regurgitating of materials that Congress had released 10 days earlier. Had the Washington Post advanced some of what was in these materials from Congress, okay, great, but the Post did not do that. Again, 
The article had nothing new. There was nothing new in the article other than a statement from a spokesperson for Dan Snyder slamming the Washington Post. Now, more than one thing can be true. It can be true that Dan Snyder is a bad person who has done a terrible job as owner of the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders. It can also be true that the Washington Post has never minded whacking Dan and the team around like a pinata and has whacked Dan and the team around like a pinata for years. And yes, Dan and the team often have deserved to be whacked around like a pinata. But at times, I do think that the Post goes out of its way to whack Dan and the team like a pinata. Well, someone who will go out of his way for you if you are wanting to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area is Kellen Hunt. If you have questions about the real estate market in the Washington, D.C. area in these tricky economic times, if you are wanting to buy a home in the D.C. area but are unsure about some things given everything going on with our economy, do not hesitate to contact Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt, he understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, and he is here for you to listen to what you want no matter your situation in life. Whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance or you have a young family looking for a bigger home or you're ready to retire and or are looking to downsize, Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He's a great guy, and he will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you're looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative. Put Kellen Hunt to work for you, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you, the buyer, get a piece of the action. Who doesn't want that in these economic times? Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book your call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs, and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. Book an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKell.com. If you're trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kel. Visit closeitwithkel.com and tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. All right, great to have you with us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Don't forget to give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if you're really feeling generous, if you are really feeling kind, Uh, please write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. So we on Wednesday morning had something special at the commander's headquarters in Ashburn, Virginia, in the burn. Uh, We in the burn had a Terry McLaurin contract extension press conference, a press conference at which both commander's head coach Rod Rivera and receiver Terry McLaurin spoke off the commanders having signed Terry to a three-year contract extension that the team officially announced on Tuesday morning. Uh, But the news of the team and Terry having agreed on the extension did break the previous Tuesday, June 28th. It is hard to remember a news item for the team that we now call the commanders that has been as well-received as them getting this contract extension with Terry McLaurin done has been. Certainly big wins for the team, have been well received. I mean, each of the team's first six wins in the 2021 
regular season was very well received. But in terms of a non-game news item, you know, a signing, a trade, a draft selection, a hiring, when's the last time that we had something with the team that was as well received as this Terry McLaurin contract extension has been? Certainly there was happiness last July 26th when we learned that Washington and interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen had agreed on a four-year contract extension. But I feel like the joy with the Terry McLaurin contract extension has been even higher than the joy with the Jonathan Allen contract extension was. Here were Terry McLaurin's opening remarks at his press conference on Wednesday morning. Appreciate everybody for being here. Um, you know, thank you to Coach Rivera and uh, the Snyder family, Dan and Tanya, for just this amazing opportunity for myself and my family. Um, you know, I'm just, it's been a whirlwind these last few months and just this week, especially and being in here and finally getting everything officially done. Um, you know, I have so many people to thank. Obviously you guys, I released a statement and that was truly from my heart of how I felt. And, you know, just want to reiterate, just, you know, thanking the God that I serve and I've made a lot of growth this 2022, not just on the field, but off the field in my personal life, um, my mental health journey, my spiritual walk. And I've just had so many people in my corner, including this organization and Coach Rivera. And, um, you know, the way they rolled out the red carpet for me yesterday and my family walking in, seeing my highlights on the on the on the screen and um, the video crew and, and Charlie and his crew and just it was very top-notch and top class and I really do appreciate that and uh, it made me feel really appreciated and I uh, felt that way throughout this process obviously you know it's a business and um, you know my agent Buddy Baker did a great job just um, you know preparing me for this for this process and um, you know I, I wanted to trust him and and his leadership and his, you know, he's just more than my agent. I really trust him with a lot of my life, truly. And, um, you know, Coach Rivera, we had a lot of personal conversations. And I really do appreciate that as well because um, this is the only place I've been. But to have a personal relationship with him that's grown even more um, throughout this process, even um, through the negotiations, has just been awesome. The way he's um, heard me out. And we've had some very honest and transparent conversation and I've really got to see the vision that's going to be laid out forward for us as an organization and uh, myself personally and you know the most the best thing I'm just looking excited most to is just to get back with the guys and, and practicing and and playing and, and and really just achieve trying to achieve all the goals that we have for this this season and every time you walk through those buildings you see those Lombardi trophies out there and you know that's on the forefront of your mind and uh, we know it just doesn't happen overnight. You know, it starts with the day-in, day-out approach, the process of um, coming in here and, and being a collective team and, and working for those goals. And, and as a leader of this team, I take great pride in that. Um, you know, along with the other leaders we have on this team, I know it's not just about myself. And I'm, I'm really excited to try to up my level of play um, this year. Uh, as best as I can to help us win as many football games as I can because at the end of the day that's what motivates me you know what I mean that's what I really strive for is to, to have one of those rings getting to see Gary Clark yesterday and seeing that ring on his finger like that motivates me even more to give my all so I'm glad that this past aspect of it is done and um, you know I'm excited to get out with Carson Wentz um, jumping on a flight actually after this to go throw with him and a few of the guys so I'm really excited for the future and I'm happy to be part of this um, what we're doing forward here in Washington.
So very good stuff right there from Terry McLaurin. He is always impressive. His press conference on Wednesday morning was no exception. How about him revealing that after the press conference, he was set to jump on a flight to go throw with quarterback Carson Wentz and other players. Uh, With Terry, I know that I have a belief, and I'm sure that many of you have the belief, that the money isn't going to change him. Uh, It's not like he all of a sudden now is going to stop working hard. It's not like he all of a sudden now is going to start slacking. We have seen in Jonathan Allen a guy get paid via a big money contract extension and then not only continue to work hard, but get even better. I mean, Jonathan Allen has blossomed into being one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. I fully expect Terry McLaurin to remain diligent and remain reliable and remain productive during the life of this contract extension, which, make no mistake, is a big money contract extension. A three-year extension reportedly worth up to about $71 million. Uh, The extension reportedly includes a $28 million signing bonus, which is the biggest signing bonus ever for an NFL receiver. And the extension reportedly includes about $53 million in guarantees. So yeah, Terry McLaurin just made himself a whole lot of money life-changing money, generational money. And he on Wednesday morning got emotional talking about that. Take a listen. Yeah, man, I almost get emotional right now. Like, I I cry, and I I cried some real tears because for a lot of my life, I really had to grind and work for what I have now. And I had a lot of adversities, and, you know, some people didn't necessarily believe in my ability, but... Um, my faith that sustained me, the people that my village, uh, the people that were praying for me, sacrificing for me, uh, my family, my girlfriend, my, my homies back in Indianapolis. Like I had so many people are the reason why I'm standing here today and I wouldn't be here without them. And so my biggest mindset and, and what really pushed me is just to be my best self each and every day, like not really worry about with the things I could not control, but they worry about the things I could control. And one thing I was raised with was an extreme work ethic. I saw my parents get up and never miss a day of work and work, 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 work. And to be able to help them and to be in a position where they possibly don't have to work anymore is a blessing for me. And it's, it's, an, it's something that's within myself that money can't buy. Money can't soothe that for me. And while this is great financially for myself, I just love the grind, man. I really do. And it's got me to why I'm here. Like the adversities that I went through in college and high school and the NFL, kind of being an underdog. The reason why I'm here is because of the work that was put in during those times. And anything I would say to anybody out there is just continue to have faith and believe in yourself. Make sure you put the work in and, and be honest and accountable, not only to yourself, but the people in the circle around you. It's really important to have the right people around you to not only help you to deal with the highs, but the lows. And genuinely, I've had the best support system. I really think the best is yet to come for my life personally and professionally because of the people I have in my life and the work that I've tried to put in mentally and to just better myself as a human being. And um, it's really cool to be standing here um, as a kid from Indianapolis, you know, young, just had a dream to play in the NFL, man. And... um, it's very surreal, so I'm I'm really excited, and I'm uh, I'm just humble because I try to do things the right way, 
you know what I mean, and, and be true to myself and to see in a world, in a culture, sometimes, you know, you got to do certain things to get your way or, you know, things that go viral. Just stay true to yourself and be a professional that's still rewarded, man. That's a lesson and a testimony that I'll have to share with other people and the guys in this locker room and the people I meet out on the outside world. So. Yeah, so we heard Terry McLaurin get a little emotional right there. You know, every big money contract in sports is a risk. Everyone. When you as a team push across the table tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to pay a player, you are taking a risk in that you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if that player will be changed for the worse by the money. You don't know if that player will be durable during the life of the contract. You can't be certain that the player will be productive during the life of the contract. So there is risk with every big money contract in sports. Every team exposes itself to significant risk with every big money contract for a player. That said, the answer isn't to just never give players big money contracts. You just have to pick and choose your spots. And Terry McLaurin is a spot worth picking and choosing. Terry McLaurin is a worthy risk. There is every reason to me to believe that this contract extension will work out. Terry McLaurin has a great attitude. He has been a great teammate. He has been durable. And he has been productive despite some difficult circumstances. What about the process by which we arrived at this contract extension? The process ended up including Terry McLaurin not participating in any of the commander's voluntary OTA practices this offseason and no-showing the commander's three-day mandatory minicamp in June. Uh, This was Terry on Wednesday morning on how weird it was for someone known to be as hardworking as he is to miss practice. It's weird. I I don't miss miss practice. You know what I mean? Like I really, um, even when I've been banged up at times, I I know how important those reps are. I know how important, um, you know, that chemistry is to be built, especially during this time, not just on the field, but just the chemistry and, and the camaraderie in, in the locker room. And so that was really hard for me. Um, and, but you understand the business and what has to be done. And like I said, I, I had great people in my corner who supported me. Coach Rivera supported me and having my teammates back me. And that was really big for me, seeing what they were saying and texting me on the side and checking in on me. Like that gives me the uplift that I need. And that was pushing me even more to be ready for when camp comes around, come the end of this month. And um, I was grinding my butt off just to um, be ready if it got done, you know, during the time that we were practicing. But, you know, now that it is, I'm just preparing all that I can to be ready for that first day of practice. Yeah, I thought that Terry McLaurin no-showing the commander's three-day mandatory minicamp in June was an unnecessarily harsh step, but whatever. Water under the bridge. The contract extension got done. That's what matters. Here was Terry on Wednesday morning on the process of getting this contract extension done. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the tougher things because I love football. Like, you look throughout my track, my track, um, my history and the coaches and the teammates I've been a part of. I just love the grind. I love being out there. The camaraderie was built during these this off season and was built during the times that um, get you prepared for the season. And so I just try to do the best that I could just to keep myself in shape and prepared. I I was working out every single day in Florida and, and, and trusting the people that I 
the workout with down there just to try to do the best that I can to be ready whenever this got done. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just happy that we were able to come to an agreement uh, that worked for both sides. And I'm really just excited to get back out with there with the guys this offseason uh, with coming up for camp and, and getting ready for the season. Like, I'm just ready to play football. Yeah, and Commander's training camp is coming up. We'll begin on July 27th. We are inside of three weeks until the start of 2022 Commander's training camp. Uh, Of course, the Commander's starting quarterback, the Commander's QB1 at training camp, and for this coming season is set to be Carson Wentz. That Terry McLaurin has played with more than a few quarterbacks during his three NFL seasons has been well documented. The Redskins took Terry in the third round of the 2019 NFL Draft out of Ohio State. Terry, over his three NFL seasons, 2019 through 2021, has caught regular season passes from seven different quarterbacks. Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, Taylor Heineke, and Garrett Gilbert. And Terry, over his three NFL seasons, has played with eight different starting quarterbacks. As you can throw Ryan Fitzpatrick into the mix, Terry uh, never caught a regular season pass from Ryan. Quarterback uncertainty, quarterback instability, lack of production at the quarterback position. Terry McLaurin has dealt with all of that over his three NFL seasons, and yet he still has produced as he has. This is why, to me, Terry McLaurin is a top 10 receiver in the NFL. It's not just what he has done. It is the circumstances under which he has done what he has done. Terry, over his first three NFL seasons, has generated 1.18 wins above replacement for Pro Football Focus. That ranks number seven among all NFL receivers during that span. And so what about now being set to play with Carson Wentz? This was Terry McLaurin on Wednesday morning. Yeah, um, you know, we've talked a lot, of, obviously, about you know, the quarterback situations for myself. And my main priority and just my mindset with each quarterback is try to um, put my best foot forward and make them look good in any way, shape, or form I can. And I've never really tried to focus on how many I've had. And although you want to try to get a connection with a, a guy and have some longevity, I've I've had fun and I've learned from all the quarterbacks I've had up until this point. And um, one thing I think that stuck out about Carson is just um, he's a very personable guy. He's somebody that we've connected with on a very personal level since he's gotten here. Even throughout the process, he was reaching out to me, checking in on me. Um, I was asking how practice was going and things like that. And, um, you know, that's why I I can't wait to get out there and start throwing with them because now we get to put the football together. We get to start to form that connection on the field. But um, personally, I'm really excited to see what he does. And honestly, um, I remember my rookie year and we played Philly. I remember watching him play and the way he threw a deep ball, I was almost enamored by it, you know, and his toughness in the pocket. I don't think a lot of people give him enough credit. He stands back there until the last moment, which really helps receivers, you know, get that extra separation or that time to to finish their routes off. And the guy who's back there and confident as a receiver and as a receiver group, I think we're going to try to have a collective um, group by committee and, and help him out to be the best that he can. Yeah, it's not exaggeration. It's not hyperbole to say that Terry McLaurin will be the best receiver with whom Carson Wentz has ever played. Uh, Carson Wentz, during his time as Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, had receivers like Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar. Okay. Uh, Carson Wentz, as the Indianapolis Colts starting quarterback last season, had receiver Michael Pittman Jr. Okay. Uh, Terry McLaurin is better than all of those receivers. 
Much more from the Terry McLaurin contract extension press conference on Wednesday morning in moments. But Terry got paid, and he deserved that. If you have been wronged, you did not deserve that. And so do not hesitate to contact the law firm of Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses whose practices or products are directly related to the root of your harm. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. You see, Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. Again, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yet you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. More now from the Terry McLaurin contract extension press conference on Wednesday morning. You know, one of my favorite parts of the presser was Terry talking about conversations that he had with Ron Rivera uh, during the negotiations. This was good stuff from Terry. Here he was on one of those conversations with Ron. Um, I think it's probably one of the first conversations we had when he when he called me and uh, you know I know they were practicing but he took time out of his day to call me and we had a really good conversation he emphasized that it was a priority for this this from the ownership down to the coaching staff to get this deal done and um, you know you never just with just the business of the NFL you you never know until you know but I had a great feeling that we were going to try to get something done and um, um, just being able for him to reach out and take time out of his day just to hear where I was coming from personally how I was feeling where my head was I really appreciate that coming from uh, the head coach and, and the leader of your football team Yeah, I like that nugget about a conversation with Ron Rivera that Terry McLaurin gave us on Wednesday morning. That's a great job by Ron, by the way. Ron, of course, runs Commander's football operations, but he also, of course, is the Commander's head coach. And him making sure that Terry McLaurin always knew that Terry was wanted here and that the team genuinely wanted to get the contract extension done uh, pretty clearly was important to Terry, and I commend Ron for making sure uh, that Ron conveyed that message to Terry. Now, Ron this offseason also has very much conveyed the message that the 2022 season needs to be a step-forward season for the Commanders. Here is Terry McLaurin on Wednesday morning on whether this coming season can be a step-forward season for the team. 
Yeah, man, I think we're um, we're really developing depth all across you know, the, the roster and, and going over the, the those things with Coach Rivera, I think we have the pieces in place offensively to where we have a lot of weapons to surround a quarterback who has the ability to hit all the throws on the football field. We have toughness up front off on the offensive line and defensive line. And um, one thing I've learned from Ohio State in here, like the game is won in the trenches. So um, if, if we're going to go as, as far, I truly believe, as our front, our front four on defense and our five guys up front and just defensively having guys who are tenacious and, and hungry and you see out there on, on the on the practice field how f- much fun those guys have on the defensive side of the ball so uh, we just want to create that competitive environment man and, and really um, push each other because if we can create game like atmospheres, game like situations out on that practice field then come week one against Jacksonville we're going to have a good chance to have some success so I'm not really trying to put the cart before the horse but I'm really excited to see um, how we've developed this roster and young guys. We have a great group of young guys and some really proven vets and um, some great leadership. So I think, you know, the pieces are starting to be put in place and now we just got to go out there and, and get the job done. Yes, you do. And along those lines, here was Terry McLaurin on Wednesday morning on what now for him as an NFL player. Uh, I want to get to the playoffs and 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 have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Um, personally, I want to continue to be try to be one of the top receivers in this league. I don't really go into the season thinking I need to have 1,500 yards, this, this, and this. I think truly you you have the most success individually when you have the most success as a team. And having that relationship with Carson, I really want to uh, develop and 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 make as strong as possible. So he knows he can trust not only me as a player, but as a person that I got his back. You know, I mean, I know he's been through a lot in his career, and I know we'll get to touch on that, but, you know, I'm a guy who's going to have your back, man, and it's not just him. That's what I feel like about everybody's in this locker room, in this building. And so um, I'm looking forward to to improving my play on on the field, hopefully creating more explosive plays, kind of like, you know, my first few years and coming out of college and improving in, in my yards after catch and just trying to be all that I need to be um, and have a full healthy season to be what I need to be for this team, this this organization. Well, you heard Terry McLaurin mention wanting to create more explosive plays. This is going to be a big thing to follow with the Commanders in the 2022 season because explosive plays, especially explosive passing plays, a major missing element for the Commanders offensively for years now. You could argue that the lack of explosive passing plays has been the team's number one offensive problem over the last four years. Washington, for the 2021 regular season per sharp football stats, ranked just 24th out of 32 NFL teams in explosive passing play rate. Sharp football stats defines an explosive passing play as a completed pass that goes for at least 20 yards. Washington for the 2021 regular season per sharp football stats ranked a mere 24th out of 32 NFL teams in explosive passing play rate. In fact, here are Washington's rankings in explosive passing play rate over the last few regular seasons. 2021-24th, 2020 31st, as in next to last in the NFL, 2019, 27th, 2018, 27th. Washington has finished 24th or worse in the NFL in explosive passing play rate per sharp football stats in each of the last four regular seasons. Not good. Uh, Something that is good, very good, 
about Terry McLaurin signing this contract extension with the Commanders is that that is an endorsement of the direction of the team's football operations. Uh, This, to me, is a big aspect of this Terry McLaurin contract extension. The fact that Terry McLaurin, one of the top receivers in the NFL, has decided to stay with the Commanders is very good news for us as fans of the team for reasons beyond the team keeping a really good player. Washington now, over the last 18 months, has signed the following players to contract extensions. Center Chase Roulier, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen, tight end Logan Thomas, left tackle Charles Leno Jr., and now receiver Terry McLaurin. All of those guys, each of whom is a good player, decided to remain with the team. That says something about the direction of the team from a football operations standpoint. The -the off-the-field stuff, the scandals, Congress, our co-owner and co-CEO, Dan Snyder, all of that is another story. But from a football operations standpoint, good players choosing to remain with the team is very encouraging. We, of course, had what went down with running back J.D. McKissick in March, him reneging on an unrestricted free agent contract with a Super Bowl contender in the Buffalo Bills in order to re-sign with the commanders and for the same terms for which he had agreed with the Bills. J.D. McKissick reneging on that deal with the Bills wasn't a money thing. In other words, it's not like the commanders offered McKissick a lot more money than the Bills offered McKissick. No, McKissick wanted to stay with the commanders more than he wanted to bolt for the Bills. Uh, As I have said, the commanders are not some NFL paradise, but our team also is not the hellhole uh, that some people like to make it out to be. Here was Terry McLaurin on Wednesday morning on why he has chosen to stay with the Commanders. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, to Coach Rivera's credit and, you know, the staff here, they, we have a really unselfish group of guys in that locker room. And we have a lot of guys who are competitive and hungry. And you know, they want to see Washington be back on top. I mean, you, I have a great relationship with Mr. Williams since I've gotten here he's taking me under his wing and the number one thing I tell him I just want to make that 17 kick to you look good you know and meeting Gary Clark yesterday in person and seeing just the history of this organization and um, we all know where it was and we all know where we want to head to and I think we're all on the same page for that but we also understand that it's going to take the work and the dedication from everybody involved to get us back there and so um, I want to be a part of that the place where I was drafted to, um, the place where the fans, you know, just show me so much love and appreciation and are so passionate about just this fan base and, the, and, and this organization and the history of it. Something I wanted to be a part of, especially where we're at now, where I feel like we're heading. There you go. Where the organization is heading. Uh, again, from a football operations standpoint, the off-the-field stuff, different story. The off-the-field stuff refuses to go away, as we all know. And as long as Dan Snyder is the owner of the team, the off-the-field stuff probably will never go away. There probably always will be something off the field with the commanders as long as Dan Snyder is the owner of the team. And so when it comes to that stuff, uh, Terry McLaurin on Wednesday morning got asked about how he views trying to transcend everything going on off the field with the commanders in order to make fans of the team feel good about the team. 
Well, I think we, we trust Coach Rivera's uh, vision and how he leads us, and I think he does a great job of really handling and taking all the pressures that come on uh, to this organization on, on the outside and, and from you know outside voices and things like that. And as leaders, John and myself and the other guys in the locker room, we just try to um, put our best foot forward and, and represent this organization the best way we can on and off the field. And we take that very seriously, and um, we know that's going to continue to come with um, – you know, work and and honestly, just transparency and 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 working hard together as a collective group and and really building one unity group. And um, like I said, Coach Rivera does a really good job of allowing us to focus on what's going on on the field, but also we understand what's going on outside. But um, you know, we just really want to focus on where we're heading and um, and all that it takes to possibly get there. Yeah, and hopefully. Someday, somehow, someway, the commanders get there. Wherever there is, but wherever there is, getting there is made easier by having a guy like Terry McLaurin on the team. Up next, I'm talking Wizards. Uh, Their major moves so far this NBA offseason now are official, and we now know a bit more about their five-year Supermax contract for Bradley Beal Wait till you hear this. I'll talk about that and much more straight ahead. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we on Wednesday morning had the press conference for Commanders receiver Terry McLaurin off him on Tuesday morning having signed his three-year contract extension. And we on Wednesday afternoon had multiple moves by the Wizards becoming official. It was on Wednesday at 12.01 p.m. Eastern that the NBA's moratorium period ended, meaning that free agent signings and trades could become official. Uh, the Wizards on Wednesday afternoon announced their three major moves that have been widely reported this offseason. The Wizards on Wednesday afternoon first officially announced having traded Kentavious Caldwell-Pope and Ish Smith to the Denver Nuggets for Monte Morris and Will Barton. The Wizards next officially announced having signed unrestricted free agent DeLon Wright. And the Wizards then officially announced having re-signed Bradley Beal to a five-year contract. Uh, Beal, of course, opted out of his previous contract with the Wizards in order to re-sign with the Wizards. Uh, They announced the contract 
as a five-year contract, but we know that this ain't no ordinary five-year contract. There's a reason that Beal opted out of his previous contract with the Wizards. He opted out of that contract in order to sign a more lucrative contract with the Wizards, uh, that being a five-year Supermax contract, a five-year $251 million contract, what is the richest contract in Washington, D.C. sports history. But we on Wednesday afternoon learned some new things about the Wizards' Bradley Beal Supermax contract. First of all, it turns out that the contract includes a no-trade clause. Tweet from ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks on Wednesday afternoon. Quote, One contract signed today that stands out is the five-year $251 million one for Bradley Beal. Negotiated by Mark Bartlestein of Priority Sports, the Beal contract consists of a no-trade clause. He is the only player in the league to have a true no-trade clause. End quote. So, not only have our Wizards given $50-plus million per year to a very good but not elite player, the Wizards also have given that player the only true no-trade clause in the NBA. And wait, there's more. Bobby Marks, in another tweet on Wednesday afternoon, said, quote, Beal becomes only the 10th player to have a no-trade clause, joining LeBron, as in LeBron James, KG, as in Kevin Garnett, Mello, as in Carmelo Anthony, Dirk, as in Dirk Nowitzki, Kobe, as in Kobe Bryant, D-Wade, as in Dwayne Wade, Duncan, as in Tim Duncan, David Robinson, and John Stockton. The contract also has a 15% trade kicker and player option in year five. End quote. My God, could the Wizards kiss Bradley Beal's rear end any more than they already do? Could the Wizards cave in to Bradley Beal any more than they already do? Five-year Supermax contract, $251 million, no trade clause, 15% trade kicker, player option, in year five. You talk about bending over backwards for someone. The Wizards have invented new yoga poses in bending over backwards for Bradley Beal. Stephen A. Smith, if you would. The damn Washington Wizards. Exactly, Stephen A. Exactly. Boy, (laughs) do the Wizards kiss up to Bradley Beal. Boy, do the Wizards treat Bradley Beal like the elite player that they so want him to be, but just is not. The only true no-trade clause in the NBA? Are you kidding me? Now look, most high-level NBA players who want to be traded end up having de facto no-trade power because they end up dictating to which teams the players are traded because no NBA team is going to trade for a player who doesn't want to play for the team. So having versus not having a no-trade clause can be overrated. I will concede that. But still, just on principle alone, why is Bradley Beal worthy of being the only player in the NBA 
with a true no trade clause to say nothing of the 15% trade kicker and the player option in year five. And as I always say about Bradley Beal, I like him. He's a very good player. He's just not an elite player. He has declined as a three-point shooter. He is a mediocre defender. He hasn't led the Wizards to anything of true significance in a league in which one player can lead a team to something of true significance. The Bullets slash Wizards have not advanced past the second round of the NBA playoffs since 1979. The Bullets slash Wizards haven't had a 50-win regular season since the 1978-79 regular season. And oh, by the way, Bradley Beal is entering his age 29 season. The bulk of this five-year contract is for Beal's 30s. Let that sink in. Uh, Said the owner of our Wizards, the chairman and CEO of Monumental Sports and Entertainment, Ted Leonsis, in the press release announcing the re-signing of Bradley Beal to this five-year contract on Wednesday afternoon. Quote, Bradley has truly established himself among his peers in the NBA, the all-time greats in our team's history, and the leaders who are making a difference in the community over his 10 years with us. He has set a consistent example of hard work and dedication to develop into our franchise player, and we are proud to show our commitment to having him continue to lead us on and off the court as he cements his legacy in Washington, end quote. Uh, Lots of good stats and facts on Beal in the press release. Quote, the 10-year NBA veteran has spent his entire career in Washington, making him one of six active players to have played 10 or more years with the same franchise. Udonis Haslam, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, and Damian Lillard, and one of only two players, Wes Unseld, 13 seasons, to play 10 or more seasons with the Wizards franchise. Beal is the franchise's all-time leader in three-pointers made, 1,434, and is on pace to pass Elvin Hayes as the franchise's all-time leading scorer during the 2022 23 season. He is currently second all-time in points scored with 14,321 to Hayes' 15,551. He ranks third in games played with Washington at 645, trailing only unselled 984 and Hayes 731. Beal also ranks in the franchise's top five in minutes played, assists, steals, and free throws. End quote. Hey, seriously, all of that is nice and impressive and good. But one more time, for the people in the back, Bradley Beal ain't worth no 50 plus million dollars per year. And in a salary capped league as the NBA is, what players make matters. And the Wizards now are locked into paying Bradley Beal 50 plus million dollars per year. Good for him for getting that money. I don't blame him one bit. I'm not mad at him. I blame the team. But he ain't worth no 50 plus million dollars per year. I do really like the trade for Monte Morris and Will Barton. I do like the signing of DeLon Wright. All three of these guys are good three-point shooters. All three of these guys are known for being tough and capable and willing defenders. And when you add the tough and defensive reputation of Johnny Davis, who the Wizards took with the number 10 pick in the 2022 NBA draft, you can see a path by which the Wizards are much improved defensively this coming season. But the Wizards 2022 offseason truly is about Bradley Beal and this decision to go all in on him. And I hope like heck that the decision works out. But I have my concerns and I know that I'm not alone. No trade clause. The only player in the NBA with a true no trade clause and he gets a 15% trade kicker 
and he gets a player option in year five. Yeah, that sounds about right. The damn Washington Wizards. Exactly. Well, as much as wins and losses don't truly matter for the Nats this season in their rebuilding state, the truth is we're all human, okay? We all have feelings. If cut, do we not bleed, okay? If made sad, do we not cry? You don't want to see the Nats lose every game, especially when they're routinely getting smashed, or so it seems. Uh, The Nats on Tuesday night suffered one of their worst losses of the season. 11-0 was the final at the Philadelphia Phillies. And so it was nice to see the Nats on Wednesday night do something that they had not done in a while. Win. A 3-2 win at the Phillies in Game 2 of a three-game series. Uh, The win snapped the Nats' six-game losing streak. The win improved the Nats to 7-29 against National League East teams in the 2022 regular season. And the win improved the Nats to 30-54 in the 2022 regular season. Good for the second worst record in the National League. And so Nats manager Davey Martinez, for the first time in a while, can be proud of the boys. I'm proud of the boys. Yes, Davey, proud of the boys. In fact, get this, we on Wednesday night during Davey Martinez's postgame session with reporters got a proud of the boys. Take a listen. Uh, it was a good day. Proud of the boys. Like I said, they played hard today. and uh, We were able to come, come, come up with a big win. <laughs> yes, there you go. A fresh installment, a fresh rendition of Davey Martinez saying proud of the boys. Uh, the Nats pitching on Wednesday night was excellent. Off a wretched pitching night for the Nats on Tuesday night, we got a great pitching night for the Nats on Wednesday night. Josiah Gray, he was the Nats starting pitcher on Wednesday night. He was coming off one of his worst starts of the season, a 6-3 loss to the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park this past Friday night. Gray in that game allowed six runs in five and two-thirds innings. Uh, He gave up a whopping 10 hits, a homer, two doubles, and seven singles. He did have six strikeouts versus two walks, but he, over his five and two-thirds innings, threw 95 pitches, although he did throw strikes, 62 strikes, versus 33 balls. Well, Josiah Gray on Wednesday night bounced back big time. He, in this 3-2 win at the Phillies, allowed two runs in six innings with 11 strikeouts versus just one walk and four hits. Uh, The four hits were two home runs and two singles. Now, the two homers and one of the singles were all by the same guy, ex-Nat Kyle Schwarber, who is just torturing the Nats this season, but Josiah Gray, 11 strikeouts, his most ever in a major league regular season game. The only two boo-boos really were the Kyle Schwarber homers. Uh, Gray in the bottom of the fourth gave up a leadoff homer to Schwarber to right field to tie the game at one. Gray in the bottom of the sixth gave up a leadoff homer to Schwarber off the facing in right field for a 2-1 Phillies lead. So yes, two Schwarber bombs, but also yes, otherwise Gray was terrific. Davey Martinez during his post-game session with reporters on Wednesday night on Josiah Gray. 
Yeah, his, sli- his slider has late bite, but you know when his fastball, and we talk about this all the time, when he when he could throw his fastball, you know, around the plate and be consistent with throwing his fastball, that makes his slider a lot better. So um, he did that tonight. You know, he had a uh, he had 11 strikeouts. You know, so um, you know when he when he pounds that strike zone uh, like he did and can make pitches when he when he needs to, um, he gives us he gives us you know good 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 outings all the time. The key is you know for him is as I said earlier is is really really trying to work ahead. You know, throwing strike one. When he does that, he's really effective. Josiah Gray now over 16 starts in the 2022 regular season. ERA of 414, a strikeouts per nine innings of 10.24. He now is averaging well over a strikeout per inning. So Josiah Gray, awesome job on Wednesday night. The Nats bullpen was excellent on Wednesday night, too. Three Nats relievers combined for three scoreless innings with five strikeouts. Carl Edwards Jr., Kyle Finnegan, and Tanner Rainey. The Nats A bullpen, it delivered on Wednesday night. Carl Edwards Jr., scoreless bottom of the seventh with two strikeouts. Kyle Finnegan, scoreless bottom of the eighth that included striking out Kyle Schwarber, swinging on four pitches for the first out. And then Tanner Rainey, a perfect bottom of the ninth with two strikeouts for the save. And this was a much-needed quality outing from Tanner Rainey. Uh, he had struggled in each of his previous two outings, the 7-4 10-inning loss to the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park this past Sunday afternoon, the 3-2 10-inning loss to the Marlins at Nationals Park on Monday. Rainey had major problems in each of those games, but Rainey on Wednesday night, a 1-2-3 bottom of the ninth with two strikeouts. Do you know that this was Tanner Rainey's first 1-2-3 inning since May 26th. Yeah, it had been a month and a half since Tanner Rainey's previous 1-2-3 inning. Even when he had gotten the job done in terms of tossing a scoreless inning, Tanner Rainey had not been looking well. And it may be that he still isn't well. I mean, this only was one outing on Wednesday night, but it was a good outing against a team that can hit. Again, perfect bottom of the ninth with two strikeouts for the save. Thumbs up to Tanner Rainey. Uh, The Nats on Wednesday got back Juan Soto in their starting lineup. That was good news. Uh, Soto started a game for the first time in three games due to left calf tightness. Uh, Now, he was the Nats starting DH as opposed to being the Nats starting right fielder. He, as the Nats DH and number two batter, went two for three with two singles and a walk. So he got on base three times. Uh, Soto in the top of the first drew a one-out five-pitch walk. Soto in the Nats one-run fourth, a one-out full-count single to center field to conclude a plate appearance in which he had a foul bunt on the first pitch. What Juan Soto was thinking trying to bunt, you know, this has come up previously this season, but especially in this circumstance where he's coming off a lower body injury, right? Left calf tightness, and he's trying to bunt to begin this plate appearance. Juan Soto should never bunt, period, because he's too good of a hitter to just concede getting an extra base hit by trying to bunt for a single. But especially in this predicament, again, first game back starting of having dealt with left calf tightness, and you're trying to bunt. I didn't understand that at all. And then Soto in the top of the eighth, a two-out first pitch single up the middle. So Juan Soto was back to starting, got on base three times. Uh, The Nats did remain without Nelson Cruz. He was out for a second consecutive game due to illness. And Josh Bell did have a second straight quiet game offensively. Bell on Wednesday night as the Nats starting first baseman and number three batter 0 for 4 left three men on base. But the Nats won the game and won the game despite only totaling eight hits and one walk. Uh, Luis Garcia had the big hit. Garcia on Wednesday night 
as an at-starting shortstop and number six batter, two for four with a two-run double and a single, and he got robbed of a stolen base. More on that momentarily. Uh, but the big hit for Luis Garcia, Nats two-run seventh, Garcia a one-out two-run double to deep center field for a 3-2 Nats lead. A really good piece of hitting by Luis Garcia. Now, on this two-run double, you had something that was pretty funny and could have ended up being quite costly. Thankfully, was not. But Cape Ruiz scored the second run on the double in running through a clear stop sign that was put up by the Nats third base coach, Gary DeSarcina. I tell you, poor Gary DeSarcina. He cannot win. He, way too often this season, has sent guys home and the guys have ended up being thrown out. And now in this case, he's trying to hold up Kbert Ruiz, and Kbert Ruiz runs right through the Gary DeSarcina stop sign. Does end up scoring, so it ends up working out. But I tell you, with Gary DeSarcina, it's like he can't win this season. When he sends guys, they get thrown out. When he tries to stop guys, they disobey the stop signs and end up trying to score. Uh, also, Luis Garcia on Wednesday night. Top of the fifth, a leadoff opposite field single to left field to beat the shift on a 1-2 pitch. Another impressive piece of hitting by Garcia. Now, he did then get thrown out on an attempted steal of second base on a strike-em-out, throw-em-out double play. But if you watched the game, and certainly if you watched the replay of Luis Garcia being thrown out on the attempted steal of second base, uh, you saw that Garcia was safe. And yet, for some reason, the replay challenge resulted in him still being out. Uh, that was terrible. And I'm a big fan of replay. And replay did work. And that replay showed what actually happened. For whatever reason, the replay was not properly interpreted. I don't know what was going on there. But Luis Garcia got robbed of a stolen base. He does, though, continue to hit. Uh, the Nats on June 1st recalled Luis Garcia from AAA Rochester. He's since then over 129 plate appearances, has a slash line of a 325 batting average, a 333 on base percentage, and a 468 slugging percentage. Now, he does need to draw more walks. Luis Garcia has drawn just one walk since being recalled from AAA Rochester. That needs to be improved upon, but he is hitting. He has an OPS of 801, and he had a big double on Wednesday night. Uh, big game for Yadiel Hernandez on Wednesday night. Speaking of doubles, uh, he is an at starting left fielder and number four batter, three for four with an RBI double, another double, and a single. Uh, Yadiel in the Nats one run fourth had a two out RBI double to the right center field gap for a one nothing Nats lead. Yadiel in the Nats two run seventh, a one out single on a tapper toward third base to beat the shift on an 0-2 pitch, and Yadiel in the top of the ninth, a leadoff opposite field double to left field despite having been down in the count at one point, 0-2. Uh, also, I want to give props to Kbert Ruiz. Uh, he on Wednesday night has an at starting catcher, a number five batter, one for four with a single, and threw out yet another runner on the base paths. In fact, Kbert Ruiz threw out Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Ruiz in the bottom of the first, threw out Schwarber on an attempted steal of second base on a strike him out, throw him out, double play, for the final two outs, Caber Ruiz continues to be so good defensively for the Nats this season, certainly when it comes to throwing out runners on the base paths. And then Ruiz's hit in the game on Wednesday night, Nats two runs seventh. Caber Ruiz had a one-out single on a blue pit to left field. Game three for the Nats at the Phillies is on Thursday afternoon at 4.05. And we do now know the Nats starting pitcher for the game, Joanna Doan. Uh, Davey Martinez made that official during his pregame press conference 
on Wednesday afternoon. So the Nats on Monday morning placed Jackson Tatro on the 15-day injured list, retroactive to July 3rd with a stress fracture of the right scapula. That opened up a spot in the Nats rotation, and Joanna Doan is being brought back up. Who knows for how long? May just be for this one start. He began the regular season in the Nats rotation, but he struggled. 12 starts, ERA a 695, whip of 176. The Nats on June 8th optioned a Doan to AAA Rochester, but then the Nats on June 17th appointed a Doan as their 27th man for a doubleheader and a Doan in what ended up being a 5-3 loss to the Philadelphia Phillies at Nationals Park on June 17th in Game 1 of the doubleheader, allowed four runs in five innings. So we'll see how he does on Thursday afternoon in yet another game against the Phillies. It would be nice, though. I mean, you send a guy down to AAA for him to stay at AAA and just focus on pitching at AAA instead of having been called up now twice already, or about to be called up for a second time anyway, to make a spot start. Now, the Nats in going with Joanna Doan for Thursday afternoon are not going with Cade Cavalli. They could have called him up to make his Major League debut for this game on Thursday afternoon. Uh, They did not do that. Now, I'm fine with that. Cade Cavalli should not be called up to the majors until he is ready. And if the Nats still don't feel like he is ready, then don't let your major league starting pitching needs govern what you do with your top pitching prospect. But boy, did Cade Cavalli look good on Wednesday night. Cavalli on Wednesday night in a 4-0 win for the AAA Rochester Red Wings at the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Seven scoreless innings with seven strikeouts versus no walks and two hits, which were a double and a single. He threw a lot of strikes, 74 pitches, 54 strikes versus 20 balls. Excellent work by Cade Cavalli on Wednesday night. Now, this was only Cavalli's second outing since an outing on June 16th, as the Nats have been giving him a bit of a break. He remains the number one pitching prospect in the organization, though he has had an uneven season for Rochester. Uh, Cavalli, over 14 starts for Rochester in the 2022 season, ERA of 454, whip of 120, strikeouts per nine innings, of 9.09. Now, some of that is the really bad start to which he got off. Cavalli, over his first seven starts for Rochester in the 2022 season, had an ERA of 7.62. He overall has been better as the season has gone on, but you do want to see a run of sustained excellence for Cavalli at AAA. We haven't quite seen that, at least not lately. Uh, MLB Pipeline currently ranks Cavalli as the number 47 prospect in baseball. His development is such a big deal for the Nats, especially in regards to the rebuild. Uh, The Nats took Cavalli with the number 22 pick in the 2020 MLB draft out of the University of Oklahoma. This season is his age 23 season. He figures to make his major league debut at some point this season, just not yet. Well, my friends, for the first time in the 2022 regular season, we have a series sweep for the Orioles. Uh, They on Wednesday night completed a three-game sweep of the Texas Rangers at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Monday afternoon, a 7-6, 10-inning win. Tuesday night, a 10-9, 10-inning win. Wednesday night, a 2-1 win as the O's. Joe Angel, again, we're in the win column. And the Orioles, again, in the win column. 
Yes, Joe, the win column. Uh, the O's now, they have won four consecutive games since a four-game losing streak. The O's in the 2022 regular season now are 39-44, and 44, including 25-20 and 20 since a 14-24 and 24 start. Now, whereas the O's hit quite well in each of the first two games of this three-game series sweep of the Rangers, the O's did not hit well on Wednesday night, just Two runs, just four hits, all of which were singles. The O's did draw four walks, but the O's went one for five with runners in scoring position. Uh, the O's scored their two runs in the bottom of the second on a two-out RBI infield single by Ryan McKenna on a one-two pitch that led to a throwing error by Rangers shortstop Corey Seager to score a second run. Uh, Austin Hayes was back for the O's. He returned from a one-game absence caused by a sore right wrist, but Ryan Mountcastle did not start for a second consecutive game due to sinus issues. And so the story of the game for the O's was their pitching. Uh, Spencer Watkins was good for a third consecutive start. Watkins on Wednesday night, one run in six and two-thirds innings. Uh, He gave up just four hits, although three of them were doubles, and he gave up a single. Uh, He had three strikeouts, versus one walk. He threw a lot of strikes, 84 pitches, 61 strikes versus just 23 balls. Spencer Watkins now over 11 major league starts in the 2022 regular season has an ERA of 415. Uh, The O's on June 25th recalled Watkins from AAA Norfolk. Uh, This was off them on June 8th, having reinstated Watkins from the 15-day injured list and then optioned him to Norfolk. Uh, The O's on May 23rd placed Watkins on the 15-day IL with a right elbow contusion. And like I said, Watkins has been good in each of his last three starts. He's since being recalled from Norfolk has pitched well. A 6-2 win at the Chicago White Sox on June 25th. Watkins one run, which was unearned in five innings. 3-2 loss at the Minnesota Twins this past Friday night. Watkins one run in six innings. He had five strikeouts versus one walk. He gave up just three hits. Here was O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on Spencer Watkins. Pitched so well. So happy for him. Um... I don't think he's gone into the seventh inning for us. I think maybe he did last year. One, I don't know. But he, it was, um, you know, human night. He's been up to six innings and threw so many strikes. Um, had the breaking balls going. Good cutter. It's a primarily, le- you know, left-handed lineup that uh, difficult for a right-handed pitcher to pitch to and, and just did a great job um, changing speeds and throwing a ton of strikes. Can you see the difference in him since he's come back to the to the team? Well, it's just, you know, it's confidence in, in um you have a little success and building off of success and you know, last year when he when he came to us, um you know, he had some early success and then had some adversity and struggled and got his confidence back this year. Um you know, I think our pitching guys are doing a great job with him and and um he's so coachable. Uh to improve his his off-speed stuff. Like I talked about before the game, that the, the breaking balls are huge, just not relying on the cutter. Um, but he was, he was really good. Yes, he was. So good job by Spencer Watkins on Wednesday night, and good job by the Orioles' bullpen on Wednesday night. Brian Baker, Sionel Perez, and Jorge Lopez combined for two and a third scoreless innings. And yes, I did say Jorge Lopez. He tossed a scoreless top of the ninth 
with two strikeouts for the save. So hopefully the Jorge Lopez slump is over. Uh, Lopez had allowed a crucial home run in each of his three previous appearances, which came over four days on July 4th weekend. Uh, but Lopez got the job done on Wednesday night. Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on Jorge Lopez. Yeah, I think that, that um, you know, we talked a couple days ago and he was going to have last night off and and um, I told him and he asked for it, a safe situation came up tonight. He wanted to be in there. I would love to have had a three run <laughs> But of course, it's a one-run lead with all left-handers coming up in the middle of their order. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to show him confidence and got on the phone right away. And Lopez got the ninth. And uh, great to see the great to see the emotion from him after the game. Um, you know, it's uh, it's not easy being in a role for the first time. And... You know, having such a great start and then having a couple bad, you know, not bad, even bad, like tough outings and to deal with that and which he's never had to deal with any of that before and to come out tonight and pitch in a 2-1 game in the ninth and and uh, get a punch out to end it. I know that was um, uh, must have felt great. Yeah, good to see Jorge Lopez on Wednesday night get back to pitching as well as he had been pitching prior to July 4th weekend. Next up for the O's, a four-game series against the Los Angeles Angels at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Game one Thursday night at 7.05. Jordan Lyles will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 352. will feature lots more on the Commanders as well as plenty on the Nationals and Orioles. Game three for the Nats at the Philadelphia Phillies is on Thursday afternoon at 4.05. Game one for the O's in a four-game series against the Los Angeles Angels at Oriole Park at Camden Yards is on Thursday night at 7.05. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, to Coach Rivera's credit and, you know, the staff here, they, we have a really unselfish group of guys in that locker room. And we have a lot of guys who are competitive and hungry, and you know, they want to see Washington be back on top. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.